This is Infertile Millennial, a podcast where we chat all things infertility, IVF, and surviving your fertility journey. I'm Emily Orlando, reminding you that you're not alone. Let's chat fertility. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Infertile Millennial. Today is episode 11. And we have a very special guest named Wendy. She's gonna be sharing her 10 year journey with infertility. Once Wendy and her husband decided to start trying, their journey quickly came to a halt as Wendy began to get sick and suddenly lost an astonishing 50 pounds before finding out her diagnosis. After trying for 10 years and dealing with her illness, Wendy and her husband made the difficult decision to stop trying. So before we get started with her interview, I wanted to talk about the subject of when it's time to quit. Because as most of you may know, if you are dealing with infertility or going through fertility treatments, there are a lot of roadblocks and different paths that you can take. Maybe you have infinite money to be able to keep going on your journey and try as much as you want. And that's one thing. But the other issue with fertility treatments and your whole infertility journey is it's not always just about money as you're going to see in this episode. Sometimes it's about knowing when your body needs a break or knowing emotionally when you need a break or even knowing when you need a break to just reconnect with your husband or your partner or whoever you're on this journey with. Everybody's journey is going to look different. And the message I want you guys to get from this podcast is to never judge someone for deciding when to call it quits or for going until they never want to stop, going until they achieve something, going until, you know, the end of their lives. It's it's totally up to them when they want to quit. And I find that sometimes we often shame other fertility warriors for not, quote unquote, trying hard enough or not trying this or not trying that. And so what I want you guys to get from this episode is that whatever journey you decide to take or whatever path is laid out in front of you that's okay that's your journey for those of you who know or maybe you don't my husband and i have been doing ivf we've done one and a half rounds so what that means is we've done one full round of ivf retrieval transfer it failed we had leftover embryos so every transfer we do is a half of a round and so our insurance covers three rounds so the decision that we made as a couple after many many you know discussions was that we're only going to do the three rounds that our insurance covers because for us we have other goals we have other values that we want to achieve and it's important for us to not spend all of our early years trying for a baby that may never come. We also don't want to spend all of that extra money, you know, for a full round. It's very expensive. We would just prefer to do what we are blessed to be covered with by insurance. And if it doesn't work, then we're okay with that. Everybody's path is different. So whatever you choose to do on your journey, I just want you to know that you're not a failure if it doesn't work out. One of the things that I've learned going through infertility is that you decide your own failures. So if you believe you did everything you can to try as hard as you wanted or you did what you felt physically and emotionally you could do, if you went all the way in your mind, then you went all the way in your mind. You determine what your failure is. If you believe you tried hard enough and you did everything you could, then you did everything you could. Never let someone shame you for your journey or the path that you've decided to walk. 
Anything is okay as long as you're okay with it. We're gonna move into Wendy's interview in a second, but before we get started, if for those of you who didn't know, Shop Infertile Millennial is live. It is a dedicated gift shop for those of you struggling with infertility, going through fertility treatments, or have experienced pregnancy loss. It's a fun way to spread some sunshine and let someone know that you are supporting and encouraging them along their fertility journey. So it's got gifts for you or someone you know who's struggling. So make sure that if you'd like to shop Infertile Millennial, you can go to www.infertilemillennial.com shop. And without any further ado, Let's welcome Wendy to the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on and share your story. Um, If you wouldn't mind just uh, letting us know about you and your husband, how'd you guys meet? When did you guys get married? Um, My husband and I have been dating since high school. Um, We've known each other supposedly, according to him, since freshman year. Um, I'm now 41, so that shows you how long we've known each other. Um, we got together our junior year, 16 years old and started dating. Um, we went through the ups and downs. Everybody goes through where you grow and you become older and you're like, well, I want to see other people and see what's out there. So we did that multiple times where, um, he went off to college. I did what I did. And then we get back together because like, in my eyes, nobody compares to him. We, you know, we did that like twice. The last time was, all right, that's it. I don't want anybody else. You're it for me. And that's the longest we've been together is maybe 16 years, 17 years this last time. But we've been married for 14. Um, he's my soulmate. He's the love of my life. He's been through everything with me. So he's he's actually been my my strong man where he's been there with me through everything. Me getting sick, me, you know. Yeah, that's quite a long time. So did you guys always know that you wanted to have kids? And if so, when did you start trying? So backstory on that is my parents are divorced. I saw what it did to them. um, And I know what it did to me. I always said I would never do that to my children. I would never get divorced. I would never put them in the middle of that. And I love my parents to death. And they know this, that this is how it affected me. So when Zach and I got married... I told him, I said, I wanted to wait a little bit. I want to wait and make sure our marriage is okay. Um, In addition, I've seen families struggle with money on making ends meet that I don't want to struggle. So I wanted to make sure financially we were okay. And as a couple, we were okay. That's kind of how we pushed it off for so long. It was about three, four years before about three years before I started getting sick to where, okay, well, gotta have to, we're going to have to push this off even not longer because your health is more important. Um, and it started shortly after I turned 30. So it was about 11 years ago. Um, I started getting sick. It just, you know, celiacs is not for the faint of heart. Um, I had lost 50 pounds in two months. Um, and before that I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, chronic migraines, then the celiac, and then it was, uh, IBS. So within a six month period, seven month period, I got diagnosed with all these things and it was like, okay, well now we got to push this off. Um, but once that got under control and you know, we moved out here, then we started and it's, 
it was about five years we tried with half of that time was with uh, fertility meds and things like that. So when you first started trying, you, when you were getting sick, was it with the celiac disease? Can you kind of, can you explain like what that is for somebody who's listening who might not understand what that is? So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease where it affects your intestines, where in your intestines, you have these things called villi that dissects food that you eat. Um, My villi were not up dissecting everything. They were down. So ultimately I was starving. I was eating. So they had to figure out what was wrong with me. So celiacs, in order to, there is no cure for celiacs. It's pretty much a lifestyle change where I'm now gluten-free for life. I'm gluten-free for life. And it's not by choice. Trust me. I miss bread. I miss all that stuff. But to live and to survive, I had to be gluten-free. Um, I'm also dairy-free and soy-free, which kind of comes with it through time, where um, your body just stops being able to digest stuff. And that was mine. So, but I'm in a point now with the celiac where I'm okay now. Um, I have to stay away from the celiac, uh, from the gluten because I'm also more immune to cancer in my intestines and my colon, um, things like that. So it's, it's a very, not for the faint of hearts, um, any tiny little bit of gluten, I can get really sick off of going out to eat as a chore. So I only go out to eat. And, you know, if I go out to like Wendy's, I got to make sure they know that you please take care of it. You know, things like that. So that's kind of how it started. And for the first, when I first started getting sick, they thought it was the flu. Oh, okay. So because I was, I had 102 fever, nothing was digesting. I, you know, I just wasn't, something was wrong. So that started the testing. By the time I got tested and confirmed, which is a colonoscopy endoscopy, that's how you confirm it. And I had lost 50 pounds. Um, I couldn't keep anything in my body. Pretty much my body started shutting down. And when things shut down, things go bad. So that's kind of what happened to me. So how long did it take them to finally diagnose you with that? Two months. Two months. And then what did your doctors have to say about this and trying to conceive at first? So in the Midwest, they're not very knowledgeable about celiac other than you have to be gluten-free um, for life. That's it. That's all they know. Yeah. When, when you first found the news, um, backing up to when you were in the Midwest and you found out, oh, you shouldn't have a baby because of this. How did that news first affect you? Um, me and my, it was me and my husband. I came back from the doctor and I was talking to him and I told her what he said. And it's devastating. It's my whole life. I was like, all right, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to do this. And then the doctor comes in and goes, you shouldn't have a baby because you could die. And you're like, what? It's devastating. My husband started crying because he's like, between his wife, the thought of his wife dying if they have a baby, and then the thought of not having a child, it's devastating. So it took us a little bit to come to terms with it. And we were like, okay, well, I'd rather you live. And that was the perspective we got off of it, that I'm going to live. If it means I don't have a baby, then that's fine. I don't have a baby. Did you ever in that time consider alternatives or was that just not for you? Like alternatives as in like, you know, surrogacy, adoption, foster, anything like that? Oh, yeah. All those things we we thought about. Um, 
Foster has always been in the back of our minds still to this day right now. Like, you know, we talk about, of, oh, you know, we should foster a child. Um, you know, I think it'd be awesome for us, but it all comes back to his money. In mm-hmm. Illinois, we were struggling. We, you know, it's in Illinois, the high, the cost of living is so high that in order to foster or go and do surrogacy, I'd have to get a second job. And, yeah. you know, we would be struggling. And I'm like, I don't want to do that to us. That's something I always try to bring up to people um, whenever they're like, oh, well, if you're struggling with infertility, why don't you just adopt? Because I'm also in the Midwest and where we're at, adoption is much more expensive than IVF and any type of fertility treatment, even even without insurance covering it, which I don't think people realize. They think it's just super easy, but it's actually extremely expensive and there's so much more that goes into it. Yep. No, I agree. Um especially like, you know, where you're at and where I'm at, it, the cost of living is expensive. I don't have the extra money to go and adopt because you got all these extra fees. And then that's just, but that's just in Illinois, you know, um, you know, everywhere else. Like I don't, I haven't checked out here where I'm at um, lately, but that has always been in the back of my mind. And then of course you have people who are like, Oh, I'll have a baby for you. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's always been in the back of our minds of, we, we knew we were going to do that, but then we decided, you know what, we'd rather do dogs. So I have fur babies. Um, so I've always adopted dogs and I love my animals and, um, they're fur moms. So I take care of them. So, mm-hmm. so for now, that's where we're at. So when you mentioned you moved from Illinois to, was it Washington state that you said? So then you got the news when you found a new doctor who actually said, no, you can definitely start trying for kids. How did that news feel? <laughs> um, a relief. It was a new hope um, that I could, you know, every woman wants to give their husband a child. It made me feel better about myself that I could do this for him. And so we started trying um, and they, which I don't get, they, they say for a year and a half, you need to try natural. and we did for a year and a half try naturally, you know, they, we went to a fertility specialist here and they're like, well, you are going to have a hard time trying. So, um, I just wish doctors here and anywhere could run tests and say, Hey, you know, you're good to go. This is what it comes out as. Cause if I would have known, I would have done the year and a half of natural trying because it was worthless. Mm-hmm. Ultimately it's worthless. Um, but for that year and a half, I had hope. I had hope that I could give him the baby he deserved. And then, of course, there's the up and downs. Every month you think you're pregnant and you're not. It's your mind playing tricks on you. Before you um, started trying for this year and a half, did did both of you get any type of fertility testing done before this or during that time just to see if there was anything going on besides the celiacs and everything? Um, for the year and a half, we were told that we could not get any testing done in, for a year and a half. We had to try naturally. Okay. So that's why, um, that's what irritates me the most is a lot of these doctors like, well, no, you know, you need to wait a year and a half. Well, I've had issues. How do we know that my body's okay? You know? Yeah. So that's what just irritates me with doctors sometimes is that they just let you wait the year and a half when... It really wasn't worth it. So then after that year and a half, what were your next steps in trying to get pregnant? So the next steps were to go to a fertility specialist, which 
out here in the state of Washington is in Seattle. So I had to go to Seattle, which is about a two to three hour drive for me to go to a fertility specialist. And they sat down with us. They um, went through um, tested all of our tests and told us everything we needed to know. This is what's going on. This is why you're not getting pregnant. Um, this is what your options are. And that's when we went and they told us like the issues, my husband's fine. It was me. So I'm the issue um, in which we don't know if it was before celiac or after celiac, this all happened. So they told us like, all right, so you can do pills, shots, IUI, IVF. This is how much it all costs. And we're looking at the price and going, oh my goodness, this is a lot. Um, so we started from the bottom going, okay, let's start from the bottom. Maybe this will work. And again, you have hope this, you know, they tell you with the pills, you know, you'll give extra eggs. So you got more of a chance. And I'm like, okay, that we got hope again and nothing ever worked. So what type of testing did they do for you? And what exactly did they discover at that time? So my testing was, they went and did an exam along with blood work to make sure all my other levels, my other body, my whole body was working right. Um, they did a, a pelvic exam on me and found out that my eggs are older than they appear. So your eggs need to be a certain level of healthy and mine were like 10 years older than they should be. So the likelihood of me getting pregnant on my own is very small chance. They said with, you know, the pills, it could, it could happen, but ultimately we need healthy eggs and I don't have them. So then, so you tried pills. Did you try anything further after that? Like any other treatments or any testing? We did. Um, so we did the pills and then we did the shots. Um, they both did the same thing. Um, I responded to them, but this never happened nothing ever happened beyond that I didn't get pregnant I don't believe I got pregnant um once we got to the year and a half to two year mark on the pills and the shots we reevaluated and said all right the next step is IUI this is how much it's going to cost us do we really want to do this because that's a lot of money mm -hmm. so that's when we stopped and reevaluated everything and went all right I don't know if we can really do this in addition, between the pills, the shots, it's doing a number on my body. And we were like, why don't we take a break? And we did. And then we came back and said, I, I don't think the IUI is a way to go. Personally, with the fertility clinic we went through, they can't guarantee you get pregnant. Um, some fertilities do that where they will work with you and keep going until you're pregnant. Mine here in the state of Washington, they don't. They don't give you a guarantee. So you're out so much money, you know, ten to $12,000 for IVF. And if it doesn't work, you fail. And you're, you're out $12,000 and nothing to show for it. Um, I didn't feel like I could do that. You know, spend the $12,000 to do any of that and nothing happened, you know. I, I completely understand because I, I think um, a lot of people don't understand either is how difficult of a decision it is to make 
that step forward because it, it is very expensive and you go through a lot emotionally and physically. It's not just about money. It's also about everything that it takes a toll on you, on your marriage. It's very stressful during a time when you actually need to be the most relaxed, but yet it adds all this extra stress. And so I totally understand your decision of like, okay, this is just not for us because once you start getting the ball rolling, doing fertility treatments, you're basically doing it full-time and it's like another job and it's a lot to work on. So I, I understand you. So like, how did you, how did you feel making that decision? Like what was going through your head? How did it affect your marriage even, you yourself? I felt like a failure as a woman. I felt like um, I'm not doing like, I'm the, I don't, it's hard to explain um, when you go through this and you, you stop because of money or just it takes too much toll on your body. I just couldn't do it anymore because it was, it was a toll on my body. And I think I, I feel the celiac had a, a say in it where it was doing, you know, between the celiac, the fibromyalgia and everything else that's wrong with me. I felt like adding the fertility was probably making me worse. I ultimately felt like a failure as a woman. Um, and this is before like your thing comes out. You didn't talk about it about five years. Was it seven years ago? You didn't talk about um, infertility. This, it was, you know, like hush, hush, you know, um, I've never been that way. I will gladly tell people about my story. It's taken me a long time to come to that. I'm okay with myself, not having a kid. It's still, I still, part of me feels like a failure because I can't give my husband the child and, you know, passing on the name and him, you know, teaching the child, whatever. He and I are in the agreement that I am at least healthy and I'm okay. And that's all that matters. We can do other things. We can go foster children. We can adopt all the dogs we want or cats. But you're more important than this. And my stepmom has been a great role in this too, where she tried to have a baby uh, over 10 years ago when it was really taboo. Like you definitely don't talk about it. Um, and she didn't succeed either. And she's been my strong, she's been my strong woman of you're a woman, no matter what, if you can't give a baby, you're a woman, you're a mother to those for babies, you take care of them, that you're a mother, you are a strong woman, you, you know, you should be proud of yourself that you've tried. She's there for me through everything between her and then like my best friend who's kind of gone through the same thing I did. But hers succeeded and she had um, health insurance that did cover it, whereas mine didn't. She has also been my strong, you know, my my other support system in this. I think, too, something that um, this is something that I've even been learning going through this journey is um, you you basically determine your own failures. So if you feel like I did everything that I could then you didn't fail. And so that's the way I'm, you know, you got to look at every situation is just because someone else, you know, took it further or tried longer doesn't mean that you failed at it. It just means that for you, that's what was best. And pushing yourself further isn't going to help if it's not really truly what you believe you should be doing. So I feel like that's important for you to like let people know like this is just I'm done. This is enough for me to go through. I don't need to do more and it's, it is so hard on your body that like you have to, con you know, put your health first mentally and physically always put that first. Always. And your, and my marriage was more important than this any day. 
You know, he's yeah. been my rock through this whole thing and it's, it's not worth it. it. It's not worth it to keep injecting my body with these chemicals and to try to have a baby when we don't even, can't even guarantee we're going to have one. So what are you doing now on your journey? What's, what have you been doing? What kind of, how have you been coping with all of this? Well, it's funny you say that. Um, with everything going on with the pandemic, um, my husband and I started talking more. There's things he fails to tell me that he feels. Um, in the beginning of our marriage, I always, you know, we were under the assumption we were going to have kids, you know, and all that. And now he's, he's told me that he's okay if we don't have kids because he's got EDD and he's afraid of passing that on to our child and he doesn't want that. And that, when he told me this, I think this was maybe six months ago, when he told me that, that was like the biggest relief ever that he, there, if we get pregnant, that's fine and dandy, but he's okay with not getting pregnant because he doesn't want to pass that to the child. And part of me is like, well, if you told me this, what, like seven years ago, it might've changed the outcome. So what I've been doing is other than, you know, I work in a nursing home. Um, I've been working nonstop. Life happens. I lost a dog. I gained a dog. We're trying to take care of ourselves as a couple. We're talking more. I'm putting my focus of, you know, cause we all have that motherly instinct. I try and put it more towards helping others and taking care of others. Um, instead of, you know, focusing on, well, I can't have a baby. Oh, woe is me. So I, focus on other things. That's what I've always done. Um, you know, it's this last year with the pandemic has been great for my marriage. We talk a lot. We, we go and take drives and, you know, with the dog now and you know, we take her with us. Um, we're trying to get out more and do outdoorsy stuff. Um, we just recently bought a house at the end of last year. And so we're doing stuff around the house. So I'm trying to keep my mind off of things and keep busy. So ultimately that's what I do. But, and then I don't know if everybody does this, but, you know, because we've stopped trying and I'm okay not having a baby. I see a lot of women who go through pregnancy and their struggles during the pregnancy and what they have to go through, either constant nausea for the whole nine months, um, bed rest, you name it. That's, you know, I go, I can only assume what mine would have been like mm -hmm. with all the issues I have, how horrible would have been the pregnancy. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's good I can't get pregnant because then all of these issues would come back to me and go, you know, I would be bedridden. I'd probably be in pain constantly, you know, watching everything I eat, you know, who knows? Yeah. So do you have any advice for anyone who's going through infertility um, on how to kind of keep your marriage strong while going through all of this? Um, communication is the key. Talk it out. Your husband will never understand what you're going through, no matter what. He doesn't understand that these are hormones going in your body that making you extra emotional. Talk it out with him, though. Talk it out. Um, make sure this is really what you want. Make sure that you know the consequences of going through the extra hormones and all this. That you know that this is a possibility that this is never going to happen. You're never going to get pregnant. But enjoy your marriage. Try and take your mind off of it, no matter what people tell you, oh, it'll happen. Like you said, you know, it'll happen when you relax. We all know that's not going to happen. Some of the other things people have told me, oh, you know, I had, a, I had one of my residents telling me to eat tomato uh, spaghetti all the time. And then I'd get pregnant. I'm like, mm, not going to happen. Well, then I would be pregnant already because that's like all I eat. <laughs> 
I think with us, it's a learning experience of uh, talking it out and it's okay to cry because um, you're going through something major. Your world has just turned upside down and it's okay to cry. But understand people are not going to understand what you're going through, that they're going to tell you things that you just take it with a grain of salt and just move on. Because a lot of people don't hear, at least here and where I'm at, they don't understand what I've been going through because they've had babies. They can get pregnant easily and it's not a problem for them. I feel like, yeah, infertility is one of those things where people think they need to walk on eggshells around you, like like as if you're always upset all the time and it's like it's not really actually like that um like my husband and I were talking about that in a previous episode about how you're not like always thinking about infertility when you're struggling you know it's just like anything else you struggle with like um I have to wear contacts but I'm not constantly thinking about the fact that I'm wearing contacts all the time it's just something I notice when I take them out or you know what I'm saying like it's it's same thing with infertility like it's something you notice like maybe when you start your period like oh there's another month or oh, we have to do fertility treatments, but I feel like people sometimes think that it's something that you're always sad about and you're always mourning, and it's like, that's not always really the case. And so, therefore, yeah, like, I think some people are not sure how to treat you, but I've always been, like, just like you, especially within the past year or two, very open with family members and friends who know that I'm going through this and tell them, like, how I want to be treated or, like, what I would like during this journey instead of just kind of like staying quiet and be like, okay, yeah, you've told me to just relax. I get it. But like, that's not going to work. No, yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. Thanks for trying, but it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the more open I am about it, um, you know, a lot of people that I've met here in the Pacific Northwest, there's multiple women who are having issues. And I told them, I said, you can come talk to me anytime. I said, my life's an open book. I've gone through it. Talk to me. I'm here. Um, you know, I don't want, I, I don't want women to think it's a taboo just because you're in, you know, you can't have a baby normally. It means you're a horrible person. You know, you're, you're not a woman and how dare you not be able to give your husband a baby. No, nowadays there's people out there who choose not to have a baby who could probably mm-hmm. have multiple babies. They choose. That's their right. Now they understand I've had, like, one of my bosses told me to, that she would gladly have my baby. But that was at the point where we said, no, we're going to stop. You know, um, infertility, especially with you and the way you are on TikTok and Instagram, I think it's awesome. We need to bring light to it that it's not a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. not a horrible thing. I'm still a woman. Um, I just can't have a baby. I choose to have now fur babies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I choose to, you know, not spend the $12,000 on IVF or IUI and try and have a baby. I choose this because, one, I want to be healthy. I want to live my life. Fertility is not for the faint of heart. It takes a strong woman to go through it. Anybody who's listening, you are a strong person to go through this. Don't listen to anybody who says, oh, well, you know, if you do this or you do this, don't listen. You do you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I feel like maybe you'll maybe you're on the same page as me. It's something I've been noticing recently is going through fertility treatments is almost the beginning stages of mom shaming. Um, because I find that a lot of people ask me all the time, do 
did you PGS test your embryos? And I'm like, well, no, because it's like $3,000 and it's still not guaranteed. Even if you implant one, that's perfectly normal. And, you know, people will start to shame you for that. And I wonder if maybe you've also gotten that like, well, how come you haven't done IVF? Like you can do it. Why not try? And it's like, well, because at some point, like, first of all, you have to be in control of your own journey. So whatever feels right for you is what you need to do. So nobody should ever say like, oh, well, you didn't do that. So no wonder it didn't work. And it's like, well, that's everybody has a different path that they're walking. And so I've always I said to my husband, like, I I feel like these fertility treatments are the beginning of mom shaming. And then it just never ends after that. So it kind of prepares you for that unfortunate thing that will happen once you don't get pregnant. And yeah. Yeah. No, and it's true. It's true. So, but I, you know, I tell everybody who walks eggshells around me, um, I might not come to your baby shower, but know this is that your, your child is a blessing. So aside from like the baby showers, is there any other boundaries that you've set for other people on your journey of just things that you won't do or things that you don't want to talk about anything like that? Um, the baby showers is the biggest thing for me, um, lately. I I'll look at pictures of babies. I have no problems. Um, I might not hold them. But I'll, you know, I'll try and hold them. I'm everything else I'm okay with. It's the baby showers, the, you know, seeing the mom and getting all the baby stuff. And it's like, it's kind of like a rub it in your nose that you're never going to have that kind of stuff. You're never going to get pregnant. I'm never going to know what it feels like to have a baby inside me, you know, things like that. And I just, yeah, I just don't like doing baby showers. What tip of advice would you give to somebody who wanted to decline a baby shower invite? Like what's the best way to to decline that if you got one? Personally, you don't need to give the person an explanation. It's your choice not to go. Um, I just say, no, I don't want to go. And if they come up to you going, why don't you want to go? I'll just say, I really am not a baby shower person. A lot of people around me know my story. They know why. So I don't really have to tell them my you know, and there was a lady I did work with who invited me to her baby shower and I just declined it. And I didn't actually tell her why. And I just said, no, that's my choice. I choose not to go. But a lot of people that I work with and I associate, they know my story and they know I won't go to baby showers. They'll invite me, but I'll tell them, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not going to go. Yeah. I, f- I feel like if someone knows you're struggling, they're not going to typically be like, why aren't you going? It's like, they should probably already know. And I feel like a good friend or family member won't fight you on it if they know you're struggling. A good friend would understand and would just be like, okay, yeah, I understand. And they won't take it personally. Yeah. And I also like the the not giving an explanation thing because that's a huge thing on boundary setting is not having to give an explanation. If they knew you, they'd know that baby showers were no. In addition, baby showers, just like first birthdays and second birthdays. I don't go to those either. The friends that I have, they understand. So they don't invite me to those things. And I I don't take it personally. I don't get hurt by it. I'm actually glad because it makes me not have to go say, nope, sorry. You know, that that's, it's, yeah, I'd rather them not tell me, hey, you know, you want to come to the baby shower because it's, it's always awkward telling them, no, sorry. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's struggling with infertility right now, whether they're in doing fertility treatments or they've just decided that they're done trying it's okay to be done you fought a hard battle fertility meds and shots are brutal um it takes as i said before it takes a strong woman to go through it and you know what 
as you said, you're not a failure because you stopped. You know how you are as a person and how you're, how much, how much crap your body can take. So you're to the point now where your body is pretty much at its limit and you need to stop. At least, you know, before something bad happens to your body to where these meds have really screwed it up. It's okay. That doesn't make you less of a woman. It makes you a warrior. As you said, it makes you a warrior. You've tried. You've tried really hard to have a baby. You've tried with the meds and everything going on. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You're still a woman. Fertility, it takes a strong woman to do fertility. And Mm -hmm. I never realized it until we quit and and I decided to stop it. You know, if I had more money, maybe I would have done it. But at the same time, would I? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of strength to make these decisions like that. I mean, throughout your fertility journey, you probably had to make multiple decisions. None of them are easy. I mean, I'm going through it right now. There's lots of times where we've had to make difficult decisions and it's heartbreaking. But ultimately, you have to make the decisions that feel right for you. Because we're in a position where we're lucky enough that insurance covers three rounds of IVF. But we're not going to go past that. We're just not going to pay full price for it. If three rounds didn't work, why would four is kind of what we're thinking. So, I mean, maybe it will, but you never know. So, it's, yeah. Um, Little on that, but I'm pretty sure you would go through it after the first or even the second one. And you know something's going on and you just don't feel right about trying the third. You know you would stop. Mm -hmm. And... That's kind of what the way I felt was like, we tried, we really did try between everything going on in my body. I was like, I got to be done for a while. I got to get this out of my system and I got to stop. You know, you, you got to know your body and know that it's at its limit. You got to take a break for a little bit. I think that's something people struggle with too, is knowing when to take a break, even when they're like, Oh, I just want to keep going. Like we'll get there. And it's like, I think it is important to listen to your body and be like, you know what? I think I need to stop for a little bit because I've been there before. I know lots of other women who had to take, you know, year, even multiple year long breaks just because it's, it really is so much. I don't think people understand who've never gone through it. Like it's not just like naturally trying. (laughs) There's just so much. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal. Um, A lot of women like I was, you know, you have the little, you know, fish dangling in front of you going, Ooh, okay, we can give you this stuff here. And you really want to try and you have that motivation. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And that's the problem. So you have that dangling carrot or fish in front of you of it's going to happen and it doesn't. And so you feel every month when you get your period, you get the failure and you feel like a failure every month. And forever, however long it takes you, when, however long you go through the fertility part before you stop. That's what women see, is that they see that, oh, well, I can get pregnant. Oh, you know what? It'd probably be one round, not a problem. When, in fact, it could be a year and a half, two years, three, who knows how long. That's the issue with fertility, is they give you hope. Yeah. And there's no guarantee. And I feel like, too... At some point, you have to, it's hard to like step back and be like, infertility, all this stuff I'm going through is is consuming my life right now and I'm missing out on so many other things. Because that's another thing that him and I are like, we just spent almost all of our 20s trying to get pregnant. And we're like, at some point, we're going to be like, if it's not going to work, I don't want to also spend all of my 30s trying 
and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? And then like all of a sudden life has just passed you by. And so that's another thing for us is like, we have a lot of other values that we still, that are important to us. It's yes, we want to be parents, but at the end of the day, we also have a life to live. And, and again, if you don't, haven't gone through infertility, you don't realize how consuming all of this really truly is every single day, you know, especially going through fertility treatments is just, it's exhausting. And eventually you're like, I need to live my life. You know, the shot, especially with the shots, the shots, you had to take them at the same time every day. And I had to make sure that I was either at work or I could be up, you know, it's, you had to plan your day around fertility. And that's what sucks, you know, for however long it takes you, you go through of everything's around fertility until you realize three years down the road of, I just wasted three years on this and nothing came out of it. And my life, you know, I didn't do anything with my life. It's, you kind of got to take a step back and go, I got to live my life. We're on this earth for so long. I got to enjoy it. And in addition, you got to enjoy your marriage. Because it will put a toll on a marriage. And you got to enjoy your marriage, enjoy your family, enjoy yourself. I hate to say it, but after a while, you just need to ignore and put fertility out of your mind and live your life. You know, move on, enjoy your life, go help people, do whatever you want to do, but enjoy your life. And that's where I feel more comfort is knowing that maybe it wasn't my plan in my plan that God gave me. It's not the end of the world. You're still a person. You're still a woman, no matter what people say about you. Um, You're still a woman and you can still live your life. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. I agree. Always remember that you're still a human and infertility doesn't consume you. It is, it's just a small part of you. It has nothing to do with you as a whole. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing it. I'm sure it, you can, somebody can relate to you in some way. Cause I think sometimes, like I was saying, I think some people have a hard time deciding like I should be done and they might carry a little bit of guilt of oh well I should keep trying because I have time or I have the resources and it's like but is that really what you want to do or do you just feel like that's something that you have to do and I think that you really want to go through it for another month the ups and downs of fertility of going oh I'm nauseous oh you know yeah never mind I got my period you know do you want the ups and downs of it that's the that's the deciding factor of it all is you need to decide for yourself yes you want to still do it yes it could happen next month or it couldn't you need to decide that you Mm -hmm. need to you need to listen to your own body and know at this point i need to stop for a while i need to take care of it yeah you kind of lose that you're more than just a body for a while you kind of forget that like oh i'm more than just this body here that everybody's poking and prodding all the time exactly and yeah it takes a toll on you you know it is draining it took me quite you know over a year to decide okay I think I want to do this again but I'm still like just so dreading actually getting started and going through it all over again so yeah it's not yeah even even with more money I don't think I'd do it again 
you know. Yeah. And they're saying, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, people are, women are having uh, kids later in life. You could still have it. I'm like, mm, really? <laughs> Do I really want yeah. now? I'm 41 years old. Um, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> uh, but I'm, you know, officially okay with myself. And it's also thanks to you and bringing light to infertility and everything we have to deal with. I'm actually okay with myself and knowing that, yep, I don't have a baby and I'm okay with that. And I think once you've, you know, come to terms with that decision, then everybody around you needs to also respect that and not question you further because it's a hard decision to make. And it's not like, you know, had it happened naturally, obviously that you would have been happy with that, but you've now made the decision because it's not working that you just don't want to continue. And I think everybody around you should also respect that. Yeah. And, and everybody does. And, but still part of me in the back of my mind is I should have gotten tested before I got sick because it makes me wonder. It's more curiosity at this point of yeah. how my body was before I got sick with the celiac and the issues that I had. Was it before or was it after? And the doctors have told me it's, we don't know because, you know, we have nothing to compare it to. He goes, but there's a possibility that your celiac did this. There are women on some of these sites that I, you know, follow for um, celiac awareness that they're like, yeah, we have issues too of trying to get pregnant. And it's because of the celiac and especially in the beginning of what it does to you. So that's the only thing is I wish I had known before. But I never know. You can't, you know, revolve your life around the, the woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, I guess they say. But it's still like curiosity in the back of my mind. Thank you so much, Wendy, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey. I know that your story is going to connect with someone out there who may be feeling guilt or shame for wanting to quit their journey. But I'm telling you guys that whatever feels right for you is right for you. Once again, thank you, Wendy, for coming on. And as always, if you want to be a guest on the podcast and share your story, make sure to email me at emily at infernalmillennial.com. And I will see you guys in the next episode.